Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove, the groove of all this in today's digital world. I am John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold & Associates. Hey, Chris. Hey, John. I'm Chris Fine, and I'm an independent consultant and advisor focusing on enterprise technology, IoT, security, and the future of work. My company is Integrative Technologies, LLC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Watch This Space. Yeah, we're uh, pretty keen to get this one going today, Chris. Um, you've come across some interesting research, and I know there's other studies as well out there. So the big buzzword I think we're that we're going to talk about today is hybrid work. And I think we all have a sense of what that looks like or could look like, and that's why we're talking today. Um, I have... I wrote a, a series of articles in Nojita recently kind of touching on this, where the starting point was, how do you support the work from home environment? And we've talked about this on other episodes. And we here we are a year into the podcast, the podcast, <laughs> a year into the pandemic. Um, but we are into our new year as a podcast. Anyways, uh, we've gotten so used to this idea of having to work from home and where we can. Of course, not everyone is able to do that. But thinking beyond that to the next move in this chessboard of uh, managing life in this new world uh, is the return to office, which is the flip side of that. So enterprises are thinking ahead to, well, when the vaccines come and we can normalize our lives a little bit, uh, we want people back in the office and but now it's not a given and so people get comfortable working from home there's a lot of benefits it works out really well for some not so good for others um but clearly enterprises really may need to keep some semblance of an organizational footprint with an office space and branches etc but they don't it's not so easy to just call everybody back and this whole bunch of issues around that right chris so that's where we're going to go today that this is not as easy to do as it looks and uh for both sides of the equation of course right john i i i think we're talking about what we call hybrid work which is the buzzword that is used to describe what most employers and uh, investors and and employees slash workers are thinking about where work uh, moves after the pandemic. And so typically that is used to reflect some kind of mixture between working at home and coming to the office. And there's many different flavors of this, um, one of which is role-based and one of which is location-based, obviously. So if you're uh, in uh, at the end of a long commute, that may influence your ability to uh, to come to the office. If you have, for example, a software development role versus an, a more uh, procedural or client-facing role, that may influence the amount of time you spend in the actual office versus at home. But this is a very big question because even though the technology has been enabled to the point where one might argue that in most circumstances, 
somebody who wants to work from home or is remote enough that they need to, uh, the, the, the technology allows them to do it. That's been the big breakthrough in the last three or four years. We've been covering it on this podcast where formerly the technology was good enough that you could do some things. You could write a report, for example, but with the advent of collaboration programs like uh, Slack, Teams, Zoom, etc., 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 you really can do most type of work at home, as people have discovered during this past year. But the question is, what's going to happen, and what are people going to want to do? So there's been some interesting research lately about this, and um, one of the reports comes from Microsoft, who has been a leader in uh, in this type of technology and in the work culture for quite some time. And uh, it's, it's, it's called the WTI Report. And John, I'd like to just read the trends that they think the business leaders need to know. And then we could talk about this a little bit because at least it gives us a starting point. Does that sound good? Great. Yes. Okay. So trend number one is flexible work is here to stay. Uh, trend number two is leaders are out of touch with employees and need a wake-up call, i.e. there's some distance between what leaders may think that employees are thinking about return to work and what they actually may be. Um, number three is high productivity, and this implies during the pandemic the past year is masking an exhausted workforce. Um, number four, Gen Z is at risk and will need to be re-energized, and as a reminder, that's at this point, probably the entry-level workers to, uh, uh, you know, maybe three years in, four years in. Uh, number five is shrinking networks are endangering innovation. And we should point out that that's not obviously uh, technology networks, it's people networks. Um, number six, authenticity will spur productivity and well-being. And number seven is talent is everywhere in a hybrid work world. And I would say that's a pretty good set of trends, right? Um, do you think so? Do you think that kind of encapsulates some of what we've been thinking about? Definitely. And, you know, I, I think we could probably do a podcast about each of these. Uh, there's data that will, I guess, quantify what we're getting at here, which is important to know. But some of this stuff is, is qualitative, right? Um, this idea about, uh, you know, how do you how do you measure being out of touch and how do you measure exhaustion? But these are like, you know, they're, they're symptomatic of, of for all the good things that we have from these new technologies that makes all this possible in the first place. Uh, and we've touched on this before as well. I think this idea of unintended consequences, you know, just because we can work literally 24 seven doesn't mean that we should. Right and everything that comes with that. Right, right. And also, we should always say our usual disclaimer that this obviously applies to that segment of the workforce who is able to do hybrid work or work at home. So there's an awful lot of people in frontline jobs and other types of, um, other types of jobs who really don't have either the luxury or ability. Uh, they need to be someplace. They need to do physical work. So... We're sort of talking about the what what some people call the carpeted office kind of population, where it's people who, before the pandemic, probably would have been 
working in an office type environment and would have been able to work from home. But typically, either the rules or the culture or the tasks or the particular technologies installed didn't lend themselves well to a real hybrid environment where on any given day, most people could choose. So, I mean, that's kind of how I think of a hybrid environment where you, for if you're a given person, you have a technological choice and, and potentially a space choice, i.e. you don't have a, a, a home situation or a nearby public venue situation that where you can actually work. And there are some people who are in that, in that position. They sort of can't work remotely. But um, this is about people who can. Uh, so just by definition. So if you, if you look at trend number one, I think we could actually get that out of the way fairly quick right? Flexible work is here to stay, right, John? We both agree on this. We've been talking about it for a couple of years and certainly during the pandemic. So do you, are you in line with that one and have any comment on that? Yes, it's, it's the the idea of flexible, it, it does cut both ways, but I think the underlying idea here is that the workforce, uh, has a little bit more say and leverage than it, they used to. And that's part of the democratization that comes with these kind of technologies that are so user-centric, user-driven, cloud-available. So, you know, if we as workers didn't have access to the tools that allow us to do this, this wouldn't be an issue, right? Because as, as long as IT controls the keys to the kingdom for everything to do with network access and providing the tools, you know, we're, of course, we're well past that time, but that's, you know, when it was that way, this was never even a, an option. You just did what you were told um, because you don't have any leverage. But today, this is kind of one of the, I think one of the really interesting aspects of these technologies is that it really does kind of flatten out those kind of layers that created these you know, dynamics that you could call them power imbalances. Um, it might have served the organization well, but it also limits a lot of people's creativity and, you know, desire to be innovative, et cetera, et cetera. So, but those are age old issues. But I, I do think I'm with you on this one. I just wanted to add that layer that, you know, it's because we have these technologies that allow us to have this and allow the users to kind of have a bit more say in how they want to do things. Right, right. Well, I wanted to mention, I agree with you. I wanted to mention something before we kind of touch on number two and number three. And again, this is Microsoft talking here. They're not the only one who's written this type of stuff, though. You see, you see articles in the, in the newspapers and in various uh, trade journals and on, you see discussions on the media about, about, you know, a sort of a disconnect sometimes, especially when everybody's remote between management and um, workers. But I, I think one thing you and I have talked about, I want to bring up before I talk about these two, these two trends coming up is that I think historically, and we're, we're talking about going back to World War II, the 1918 pandemic, World War One and other types of disruptions, really disruptive societal events, macro events, 
that that had major cultural implications. Um, typically had a lot of uh, sad aspects to them, whether it was loss of life, um, disruption in the environment, or all of the above. But what's happened has been that people think sometimes looking at sort of the very end of these things, when you see contemporaneous writing or or speaking at sort of when you see the glimmer of coming out of this, historically people have underestimated or, you know, pundits have underestimated the 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 snapback that happens uh where people want to be together they want to be free they want to not be threatened or restricted in the wake of things like this i mean let's not forget that in for example in world war ii not only was there all the horrible aspects of it we know but there was rationing of everything you couldn't get anything it was very difficult you couldn't buy a car for nearly four years, just to take one example. And so after the war, as we know, you know, with the advent of the baby boom and the post-war economy, there was a big breakout uh, where people wanted to be out there. People wanted to grow. People wanted to do things together, build businesses, um, embrace the family, etc., etc. And the economy followed and work f- patterns followed. And this was the same after the 1918 flu, which led to the Roaring Twenties and the wake of World War I. And so the question is, if you're thinking as a management person that you're going to, for example, make a big reduction in real estate because you're going to oversubscribe space and you're going to rely on this technology that's been perfected during the pandemic and everybody's going to want to work two days a week in the office, is that really a prediction that you can make without a lot of surveying of your people and being in touch with your workforce, which leads to these two trends uh, from Microsoft, leaders out of touch and high productivity masking an exhausted workforce. And I guess what those say to me is people really need to look at this very carefully. And the way the ball is going to bounce is a little bit hard to predict in advance, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think we may have touched on this re- recently about you know concerns now about mental health, people doing a reset on what work is supposed to be, and this home-based environment when you can't really turn work off and separate your personal life from work life and your workspace from your living space. These things, you know, it's not everybody can handle this. Uh, you and I have been independent for a long time. We're kind of hardwired for it. But a lot of people, when you're just thrown into this, it's a big adjustment. And so uh, I think this kind of mental health check thing, which we hear a lot about now, is, again, an unintended consequence of the pandemic workforce implication. And now we have to think about, well, this, this snapback idea, as you mentioned, Chris, is like, well, it's... I think people are fundamentally going to have to question a lot of things, but of course, underlying that is when people have been out of work or underemployed for so long, then, you know, they got to make a living. And when it's safe to do so, you know, the, the need to make a buck might, you know, throw some of those things to the sidelines again. And we may be right back where we started from I frankly I think you know yes to optimize your real estate spend etc is important but I think it's also a good opportunity to do that kind of 
reset, clean slate thinking about, well, what kind of workforce do we want to have? And as you were saying, you know, um, this, this exhaustion from working so much so long, uh, is this really healthy? Um, you know, are we going to get more burnout and turnover? So it may be an opportunity, like you say, if there was more surveying and a more partnership taken, uh, a partnership based approach to mapping out what that hybrid space, hybrid world is going to look like, uh, rather than just being a top down thing. Because if they really are out of touch, as the research suggests, you know, that's just, you know, more is going to go wrong than right, right? Right. And that's the, that's the point about authenticity, which is a two-way dialogue, right? As well as, you know, and it's transparency and it's um, empowerment, right? Which has a lot of different aspects to it. But maybe the pandemic was just the last thing that will spur a more co- a more collaborative form of management? I don't know, but I think it's something that leadership is going to have to think about. And it's going to help drive where people, workers choose to work when things reemerge enough. And again, this is in sort of your carpeted office industries, if you want to call it. But, you know, if, as Microsoft says, Gen Z is at risk, that is your source of talent coming forward, right? I mean, us baby boomers, or we baby boomers, I should say, are in our sort of later years in the workforce, if not retired already. And Gen Z is the input. Gen Z is the fresh talent. And, uh, you know, all indications are is they're, they're thinking a little differently, and they've certain had, certainly had a different experience than what uh, their predecessors have had, including this incredible disruption so i think everybody needs to think about that um yeah yeah so go ahead and it's also a very different world i mean you know just listening uh certainly from how i hear my kids talking the world that they find themselves in is one where you know we have all these authoritarian regimes gaining a lot of traction across the world people feel very like they wonder if their freedom is going to last uh, we're very lucky the kind of democracy we have. It's kind of an exception in the world order, but it, it is our world still. Um, but they look around and see all of the unrest around the world. But tied to that, of course, is a lot of oppression of workers. And, you know, we can just start and stop the conversation with China right now, right, just right in today's headlines, the, the pushback. You know, we're starting to see this maybe... Uh, What's the word here? You know, you know, Western brands and companies may be rethinking some of their plans here and tying their decisions about where they get their products made to company, you know, to, to locales that that are more aligned with our values. And I think, you know, the current generation thinks very seriously about stuff like this, about having more ethical and socially conscious practices for how, where you know, work gets done and the U.S. is struggling to get a $15 minimum wage uh, per hour thing. And these are all reflections of all the social inequities that the pandemic have really unfurled in the U.S. in particular. And I think if, you know, millennials coming into that world, I think they think very differently about their priorities and how much focus 
work is going to be in their life when they look at these bigger pictures. There's, there's a, um, you know, strong social consciousness that in some ways is similar to what we grew up with as, as kids, but they're, they're, they're rooted in a more dangerous world right now. That's a lot more under threat just for, you know, economic and climate survival. Um, so they're, you know, I think that's kind of the lens that they see a lot of this stuff through. So it's not just a matter of what's my next job or gig going to be. I agree with you in that it's all mixed together. The concept of sustainability and responsibility and equality and what that sort of seems to imply based on these trends. And I want to have a couple of minutes to talk about what they say is the way forward, because this is certainly not unique to Microsoft, but they express it fairly well, I think, mm -hmm. um, is that you can't look backwards in a disruption like this and predict what the relationship is between workers and companies and management. And you have to look at broader social and economic and political megatrends to look at what's going to happen with something that seems fairly tactical, like hybrid work, but it really isn't because it touches on a lot of different larger issues, which I think you and I both just said in different ways. But I just want to read these five go-forwards that they say. And again, this is not to say that Microsoft is a be-all and end-all, and they're not the only ones who are talking about this, but it's just kind of condensed. So their first recommendation is to create a plan to empower people for extreme flexibility. Right, so this is let people help design their plan, give them a little bit of empowerment and freedom to do that. Invest in space and technology to bridge the physical and digital world. Uh, this, and I think that's you know flexible workplace, smart workplace, collaboration, all the a lot of the technologies you and I have talked about. Number three is combat digital exhaustion from the top, and that's an interesting one because their view is that that has to be done by leadership and example that that is something that top people have to acknowledge and and use their use their power and influence to help combat um, number four is prioritize rebuilding social capital and culture and number five is rethink employee experience to compete for the best and most diverse talent and if i were going to add number six and i think based on our discussion it is you know Bear in mind the macro trends, the desires of the broader set of stakeholders around, you know, the macro issues of the world and, 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 and the changing environment of that versus the workforce of, say, 10 years ago and the relationship between labor and capital as it was, let's say, in the last 40 years, right? I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I see it. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot there. Good, uh, certainly really good food for thought. Um, I, I also just want to mention, uh, you mentioned the other studies, and I came across one that was published uh, very recently by otter.ai. And they uh, did a, you know, kind of a survey of, of attitudes about remote work. And it's, you know, one of the typical findings you see there is this idea about, you know, meeting fatigue from using all these video technologies. Right. And there's a comfort level. Some people are just almost too comfortable working from home. And I, I think there's almost like no turning back. I mean, the, the, these tools have made it so easy to do these things that um, understanding what productivity is, is getting really, really difficult 
And I don't, and it's, it's like when you hear about the relative importance of issues in the workplace, productivity right now is, is maybe secondary to people just surviving the pandemic. You know, it's all about all of these priorities. And so when you mentioned, you know, rethink the employee experience, I think that's a really big ask to do, but it's going to be necessary. There's, as you say, you just can't say we're coming back to the office now. And we all kind of know hybrid is going to be the future. But I think the message you're getting at, Chris, and I agree, is who's going to make that call? And it's not just a matter of, yeah, top management saying, especially if we can validate that they are, in fact, out of touch with what younger workers want and need, then that's a recipe for disaster for sure. So I think that is probably our, our main takeaway for today, Chris, huh? That, I agree. Um, how we approach it. How you, how you approach it is key and, and not oversimplifying it or taking it seriously enough to have a real plan that mm-hmm. is based on the unique characteristics of the business and its culture and the desires of all sides and to work together in an authentic way to try to make that happen. Um, not to treat it as a single dimension type of problem, like an allocation of resources problem. Yeah, or, or right. an event that's done. Right. Okay, we're back in the office, let's move on. No, right. um, and that number one item of moving forward about extreme flexibility I think that's that's a given that you know agility and flexibility these these buzzwords are really important that you know the less and that speaks to having I guess a less structured less formalized organizational um, setup that extends to the the workers as well you know this idea that work is what you do not a place so you know people can find their own ways to contribute and be productive. And it's whom you work with, right? It's, it's, it's your team. It's your organization. It's your business goals. It's your customers. It's your markets that you, that you function in. It's the particular nature of what the business makes or sells. It all factors in. It's not just hoteling, right? Or some very, very one-dimensional approach to the post-pandemic working environment. And I think... John, maybe we can talk about some of these more in detail in future podcasts. I know one nominee I have, which I spend a lot of time with and is really interesting, is how do you manage the physical workspace, the allocation and the design and technology around workspace when you really have a flexible situation? Um, That's just interesting from a technology point of view. Maybe we can treat some of these themes in relation to the technology stuff that we talk about. Well said, and I'm nodding away. I'm sure you can see that loud and clear, folks. Uh, great. I think that's a good uh, a good end point for today, Chris. So uh, we've, we've given you a takeaway, folks. Food for thought and where we think we'll go next time. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our time for today's episode. And we'd like to thank you for listening, as always. We hope you enjoyed us today and that you'll continue as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Uh, I can tell you uh, more recently, we are on most of the main platforms like Stitcher and uh, Apple, uh, iTunes and uh, Google 
there's a few others too, and others are coming, but uh, not hard to find. So if you like it, sure, we'd love to hear from you. Write a review, leave, leave a rating, whatever you care to do is all good for us. I should also mention that I mentioned this company, Otter. They actually provide real-time transcription services, which I do use here. So on my website, I do provide transcripts for recent episodes as well, if you'd like to read along while you listen or instead of. Okay, so that is it. I am John Arnold. And I'm Chris Fine. John, I wanted to just add, you know, that we did speak a lot about the Microsoft report today just because it was relevant, but we do not have any any business relationship nor any compensation to spend that amount of time on the report. But with that somewhat legalese, I also will say thanks for listening, and uh, we look forward to talking more about this next time. Thanks, John. All right. You're welcome, and thanks again, Chris, too. Over and out for now. We'll see you in the next episode.